Today I hear more and more frequently, and it has become popular to say, that Christianity is not a religion. Just this past week I was listening to the radio and there was a preacher on there and he said Christianity is not a religion. It's not a religion. He said it is a relationship. And I hear this more and more. Maybe you hear that as well. Well, the definition of a religion is the belief in and worship of a creating, controlling power, especially a personal God or gods. Well, the truth is, if that is the definition of a religion, then by what we know, by what we believe, by what we profess, Christianity surely is a religion. Now, if that is the truth, why has this become so popular to say? Why are so people quick to say today that Christianity is not a religion. Now, I'll just tell you today, I, I believe, and I think they are well-meaning when they say that, and I understand somewhat what they are saying when they do say that, but I believe today that they have fallen into the trap of trying to distinguish the belief set of Christians from the belief set of other religions without having to say that Christianity is the only true religion and therefore all other religions are false religions. Now, if that has gotten too complicated already this morning, let me go ahead and clarify that. Christianity is a religion. We believe in a personal living God who created all things, who sustains all things, and we have access to him and fellowship with him through Jesus Christ. And let me just go ahead and say, according to the Bible and according to our Savior, that is the only true religion. And so all other religions are false religions, whatever they may be. Today, we're going to see a big distinction between Christianity and all other false religions. And that distinction, now there's several we could look at, but we're going to see one of the big distinctions, and that distinction is this. All other religions are built on and are focused on behavior and thought modification, meaning that in order to be right with God, or in order to be right with the gods, you have to change your thought. You have to think a certain way, or you have to change your actions. And behavior modification is the means of salvation. That is the means to nirvana. That is the means to have peace with Allah. Well, be sure and see this. Christianity is not a religion of behavior modification. Be sure and understand that. We figured out we couldn't do it, and it's by God's grace alone through faith in Jesus Christ. And Christianity is not a religion of behavior modification. However, when you follow Jesus Christ, behavior modification is the result. Very simply, as Christians, we're not saved by changing our actions. Praise God for that. But when we truly are saved, our actions change. Today in our verses, we're going to see two ways that this is evidence. Two ways that this is apparent. Our message today is entitled, Humble Pie at the Pharisees' Feast. 
humble pie at the Pharisees' feast. We're in Luke chapter 14, today verses 7 through 15. Luke chapter 14, today verses 7 through 15. I'm going to ask, as always, that you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. Luke chapter 14, beginning here in verse 7. And he began speaking a parable to the invited guests when he noticed how they had been picking out the places of honor at the table, saying to them, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for someone more distinguished than you may have been invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this man. And then in disgrace, you proceed to occupy the last place. But when you're invited, go and recline at the last place, so that when the one who has invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will have honor in the sight of all who are at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And he also went on to say to the one who invited him, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors. Otherwise, they may also invite you in return, and that will be your repayment. But when you give a reception, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed, since they do not have the means to repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today and I'm thankful for a living, reigning, ruling Savior, Jesus. I'm thankful that He knows me, that He sees me. Thankful that in spite of that, He loves me and that He's willing to be forgiving. And, and through the cross, He's offered redemption to me. I come today and I, and I thank Him. I praise You and I worship You for who you are. I come today and I, and I pray as we've gathered as the church that, that together our, our praises and our worship would go up and it would be a, a sacrifice of praise unto you. I come now and I pray as we begin to study your word that this would be a supernatural event, that you would truly speak through the preaching of your word. I pray that it would be clear. I pray that we would discern what your message is to us and that we would be changed today. I pray for some in this room and I believe there are some here today that do not know Jesus. God, I pray that you would stir in their heart, that you would, you would move in their heart, that you would speak to them through your word. And I pray that today they might put their faith in Jesus. We come today and we just tell you, we lay this at your feet. We love you and we thank you. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Today our verses are a continuation of the verses that we began with last week. If you remember last week, we find Jesus on the Sabbath day. He has been invited to dine at the home, at the house of a certain Pharisee. Now the Bible tells us, in fact, he was a leader of the Pharisees. Now remember the context. There at this dinner, there are a number of lawyers and there are a number of Pharisees there in attendance. And also remember, their intent was really to entrap Jesus. Now, they didn't ask him there out of the kindness of their heart. They didn't really want to have a meal and to have fellowship with him. No, their intent was to entrap Jesus. Well, 
Jesus uses that event, he uses that dinner to reveal the truth about them and at the same time to reveal the truth to them. And that's what we saw last week. Remember the points from last week? We saw the truth is divisive. We saw untruth must be revealed. Third, we saw the truth will always stand. And then in the fourth point, we saw the truth will prevail. And those were the four points from last week. Well, today as we continue on, Jesus again uses this event to teach them, to instruct them, and in doing so, teach us as well. Today we're going to see two traits that are to be evident in the life of a believer. When you leave here today, you're going to know, you're going to see two characteristics, two traits that are to be evident in the life of a believer. Again, not to save us, but because we're saved. Let's look at the verses today, beginning in verse 7. And he began speaking a parable to the invited guests when he noticed how they had been picking out the places of honor at the table, saying to them. Now it's very interesting here in verse 7, the table now turns. In the first six verses, we read that the Pharisees, it says in verse 2, were watching him closely. In those first six verses, the Pharisees, they had their eyes upon Jesus. Well, now here in verse 7, the table turns and we find that Jesus had been watching them as well. Now see the context here. At a Jewish banquet, by tradition, at a Jewish dinner, the more esteemed guest sat closer to the host. And that was the tradition. The more distinguished, the more valued that was a guest, they would sit closer to the host. And then the tradition would say that the two most esteemed sat in the immediate left, in the immediate right positions of the host. And that was the tradition. Well, Jesus has noticed here that all of them are trying to position themselves in the places of honor. All of them are, are positioning themselves to be closer to the host. He's watching this scene, and imagine the scene. They have an eye for who is going where, and as they're approaching the table, there's kind of a, a pecking order that's, that's shaking out there, and they're, they're trying to worm their way up closer to the head of the table, and they're trying to put themselves in the more esteemed position, and that's what's going on here, and Jesus sees that. Notice, these guys are all self-promoters. Do you see that? That's really what's going on here. They're all trying to make themselves known. They're all trying to, to have a position that would make themselves seem greater than some other person. I've noticed self-promoters still seem drawn to the religious setting. You ever notice that? There are people today and they still try and use religion and they try to use religious actions and they try to use religious words to make themselves known. And, and the religious setting still is a place for self-promoters. I was thinking about that. Jesus would have a field today with some of the people on Facebook. Look at verse 8. When you're invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor. 
for someone more distinguished than you may have been invited by him. Now, verse 8, he tells them what would just be logical here. He says, do not take the seat of honor. Don't be that person who walks in and just assumes, you know what, the seat of honor must be mine. Do not be the person that positions yourself in the seat of honor. Because here's the truth. stands today. No matter how big of a deal you think you are, there's always somebody else who's a bigger deal. And that's what he's telling them. You know what, you think you're a big deal coming in here? No matter how big of a deal that you think you are, there's always somebody else who's a bigger deal. Verse 9. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, Give your place to this man. And then in disgrace, you proceed to occupy the last place. Verse 9, this guy comes in. He's more esteemed than you, no matter what you thought. And the, the host has to say, you're in his seat. Please move down. It is a public humiliation. Verse 10. I'm going to read it again. But when you're invited, go and recline at the last place so that when the one who has invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, you move up higher. Then you will have honor in the sight of all who are at the table with you. But when you're invited, go and recline at the last place. Don't go find the head place so that when the one who's invited you comes, he's going to be able to say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will have honor in the sight of all who are at the table with you. Then here's the truth of the whole thing found in verse 11. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now stay with me here in verse 11. Get this today. A follower of Jesus Christ is to be marked by humility. Christians, by nature, they're not to be self promoters. They're not to be self-evangelists. Christians by nature, they're not to be prideful or arrogant. They're not to be self-serving. No, they are to be humble. A follower of Jesus Christ is to be humble. Get this. See this also. True humility then is based upon knowledge. Now listen, as a Christian, we're to be a humble people. We're not to be arrogant. We're to be humble. But then we need to understand true humility is based on knowledge. You see, when we are knowledgeable about who we are, when I am knowledgeable about who I am, when I know my heart and I know the condition of my heart and when I'm honest in that evaluation, when I truly know who I am, and at the same time, when we are knowledgeable about God, when we know who He is, and when I know that He is absolutely holy, and when I know the price and the depth of His grace, my response is humility. You see, that's what it looks like in God's system. That's how God's system works. And when you come along and you say, you know what, I am a big deal, I am worth noticing. I am deserving of praise. God says, no, you are a sinner, unable to save yourself, and your best deeds are but filthy rags. Oh, but when you come and you say, I am but a sinner, and I am foul and vile and wicked at heart, and when you're able to say, you know what, I have offended a holy God, and there is no hope for me in myself, 
It is then that he says, lift up your head. You're a child of God. You're an heir to the kingdom of God. You have become the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And that's how God's system works. Let me tell you this today, and it's, it's, it's something we're seeing lived out in, in our evangelism today. Understand, without humility, you will never need Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? If you think, you know what, I'm doing pretty good on my own and I've got things figured out. Without humility, you will never need Jesus Christ. And let me tell you something out. Without humility, you'll never endure also serving Jesus Christ. As Christians, we are to be humble people. We're going to look at the next trait now that believers are to possess. Look at verse 12. First part of the verse says this. And he also, he just continues on, and he also went on to say to the one who invited him. Now it's very interesting in verse 12, he's been talking to the group, he's seen what they were doing, but now he singles out the man who had invited him. Really he singles out, he turns to this Pharisee, the man who had set him up. Now remember in our verses last week, he'd already shown of this man that he was really all about the system. He was really more about himself prospering in the system. So it already revealed the man's heart. This man was never about people. Look at verse 12 again. And he also went on to say to the one who invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors. Otherwise, they may also invite you in return and that will be your payment. Verse 12, he tells them how it works and really it's still the same today. He says, this is the world's system. He says, you know what? I invite you to a dinner and you remember that I invited you to that dinner and so you invite me to your dinner and we become part of the system. And you know what? When you come to my dinner, I'm gonna give you one of the seats of honor at my dinner. And so when I go to your dinner, you're gonna remember that and you're gonna give me one of the seats of honor at your dinner. And, and the system is we're in the business of paying each other back and, and that is the world's system. There's never true fellowship. There's never true concern for one another, but it's really what can you do for me and how can you advance my cause? And Jesus says that's not how it works. Yes, that's the goal of the world system, isn't it? Notice it says here, it says if that's your system, it says, and that will be your payment. Maybe we didn't, we didn't see that very clearly, but it says, you know what? If that's your system, now this is gonna mean a little bit more here in a minute, but it says if that's, if that's your system, then that's gonna be your payment. And if you exist to have the world's esteem, if you exist to have the world's applause, if that's the system that you serve, then brother, you may pull it off and you may be respected and you may be known and you may be esteemed and you may be a big deal, but Jesus says, but that's all that you're gonna have. You're gonna be a big deal. Your reward will be in full. Look at verse 13. But when you give a reception, Invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Verse 13 talks about people that these Pharisees would have had no use for. Really, it's people that the world today, then and now as well, also have 
no use for. Last week I heard the term a basket of deplorables. That's these people. Poor, overlooked, lame. They have nothing that they can add to the cause. They have nothing that they can give to you. There's nothing they can help you with. They can't even pay for the food that they're about to eat. And Jesus says those are the people that you're to invite. He says those are the people that you're to concern yourself with. Why? Look at verse 14. And you will be blessed. Literally translates happy. And you will be happy since they do not have the means to repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Again, you're going to be happy because they can't pay you back. See this. You'll be repaid because they're not able to. You'll be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Listen, here's what that means. God rewards generosity. Did you hear that? God rewards generosity. Listen to me today. A follower of Jesus Christ, they're to be marked by their generosity. They're to be known for their generosity. As followers of Christ, we are to be generous. We're not to be stingy. We're not to be tight-fisted. We're not to be selfish. As Christians, we are to be generous. And so Jesus says these two things, humility and generosity, they are to be the mark of his people. You want to know if a person's following Jesus Christ? You want to know if they look like their master Jesus? They are to be humble and they are to be generous. Not to save us, but because we're saved. I want to show you one more thing here. Now be sure as a preacher, as a real preacher, I cannot say what the verses do not say. I do not have that liberty. However, I can choose to bring out certain things that it has said. And I'm going to do that today in our conclusion. Some of you may say, well, that's personal. Well, actually, that is my job. My job is to make it personal. So this is what I want to bring out, and I'm the preacher, so I'm going to bring it out. Notice it says this. Notice Jesus says this. Jesus says, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Jesus says, you'll be happy, you'll be blessed, you're gonna be happy at, because you're gonna be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Get this today, see this today. Jesus says here, this is not all there is to it. Jesus says here, what you see here today, this is not all there is to it. Jesus says what you're going through today, this is not all there is to it. Jesus says here, this is not the end. This is not your reward. But Jesus says here, but there is coming a day when the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time as we know it and time shall be no more. There is coming a day when the dead in Christ shall rise and we shall be in a great reunion. 
Jesus says there is coming a day when those who have longed to be with Jesus forever will be in the presence of Jesus. But right here he's saying there is coming a day when those who are the righteousness of Jesus Christ because they kept on talking and because they kept on walking, there's gonna be a day when Jesus himself says, well done, good and faithful service, coming to the joy of the Lord. Let us be counted as those people. There is coming a day. Then at last, when on high he sees us, our journey done, we will rest, finally rest, where the steps of Jesus end at his throne. Jesus says there is coming a day. Let's pray. During Father, we come. And I'm thankful for your living word. I'm thankful that it's active and that it speaks today. And it speaks to our hearts today. I'm thankful for the truth that you tell us that, that we're not saved by getting out somewhere and doing a bunch of good things. And we're not trying to measure up somewhere that we might tip the scales of salvation. But we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Not of our works. Our works weren't ever going to cut it. I'm thankful for that. But I'm thankful you also tell us the expectation set of a Christian is, is because we are saved, because of who we follow, because of the, the Holy Spirit of God living inside us, we are changed, we are new. Help us to be humble. Help us to be generous. Help us to look like you. I come now and I pray as, as we conclude this service, I pray again that you have spoken to us and I believe you have. I pray for some here that do not know Jesus Christ. And I pray as they come here and their hearts are hurting and they're living in turmoil, there is no peace though they look. Today they might put their faith in Jesus Christ. I ask that you would move in this coming time of response, this time of invitation. And I pray that in all that we have done and all that we'll do today that you've been glorified. And I tell you, I love you and I praise you and I thank you and I pray in Jesus' name, amen.